You're listening to the Auburn Express. Powered by the Wall Report. All aboard the AM departure from Platform 334, the Auburn Express. What's up, War Report family? We are back with another great edition of the Auburn Express podcast powered by the War Report. It's Wednesday, so joining me, as always, is our girl, Brandy Mack, resident odds expert and social media king, Auburn Memes, joins us. Guys, before we get started, quick word, quick word from our sponsors. Treat your boys. Chill Boys Underwear is designed for maximum comfort with enough space to keep you cool, calm, and comfortable. Chill Boys Underwear will help you keep the boys close. Uh, not too close. When the game is on the line, you won't break a sweat with Chill Boys underwear. Whether it's left boy, right boy, or both boys, Chill Boys provides your boys comfort like you've never felt. Visit chillboys.com and use code RAPPORT, that's R-A-P-P-O-R-T, and get 15% off of your order. Maximize your chill with Chill Boys. Guys, recruiting, 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 recruiting. Auburn has taken a lot of heat uh, on social media, in the media in general, about the state of recruiting. Coming up this weekend is Big Cat Weekend. This is a huge recruiting weekend for Auburn. Uh, And Brian Harson in year two, they've got to do something to jumpstart recruiting. So I want to get this podcast kicked off. I'm going to throw it to Brandy. Take us through what is Big Cat Weekend, and if you're a recruit, you know, what is your experience at Big Cat Weekend? What are they doing this weekend to convince guys to commit to Auburn? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll preface this by saying I was a Tigerette from 2016 to 2018, and I've previously hosted two Big Cat Weekends and maybe a little bit different now at the early signing period. But whenever I was a Tigerette, this is kind of the structure from the weekend. So out of town guys would come in pretty late on Friday, um, whether that was somebody from a recruit from Florida or somewhere further out of state. And it would just be a casual dinner that the recruits would have. And then the next morning would kind of be when everything else happened. So recruits slowly start to you know, come into the weekend around 9, 10 in the morning on Saturday. And really the structure of Big Cat Weekend is there is no structure. It's meant to be a really lighthearted, fun weekend for these recruits to really get to know Um, our staff that we have, and not even just our coaches as they're known as coaches, but really their families too. Um, Both Big Cat Weekends I hosted, almost every single coach also had their spouse and the rest of their family there. So basically all of their kids there too. Um, And then really it's to get to know Auburn's campus. So whenever I hosted Big Cat Weekend, we always did scavenger hunts around campus um, on golf carts. Um, and this is really so they can get to know Auburn. Um, Brian Harson has said this multiple times, but Auburn sells itself. And this is an opportunity and a weekend for Auburn to sell itself. So they really want to harp on that. Um, and I'm assuming they'll continue to do something similar to make sure that the recruits can kind of get to see the campus. Um, from there, if these recruits haven't seen all of our facilities, whether that's the wellness kitchen or South Donahue, the dorms or the athletic complex, Or potentially, you know, a video that's capturing the new athletic complex that's being built and that these recruits might be able to use whenever they do step on campus since that's being built now. Um, I'm assuming that's part of the process, too. 
Um, and then from there, once kind of just the basics of, you know, getting to know Auburn and getting to know um, our facilities and our campus, it's, it's really a fun weekend. So there's all these games that they should have set up um, and there will be current players there as well. So um, these are going to mostly be like your starters and guys who are leaders, um, seniors on the team, and really guys that may have resonated well with these recruits on previous visits that they've had too. So um, whether that's, um, you know, pieing a coach in the face, which has happened before in previous Big Cat weekends, or whether that's, um, you know, a water balloon fight, because that's also happened as well. It's really supposed to be a fun weekend for them to enjoy with um, the coaches and the players that are on the team. Mm. So this weekend is about getting to know what it means to be at Auburn University for recruits. Um, you said it's lighthearted. Um, it sounds like there's not a ton of structure to the weekend, but it's get to know the staff and start to envision your life as an Auburn athlete uh, is, is what it sounds like to me, uh, which is, is great. You know, I mean, we all went to Auburn so we can attest that it's a great place. Um, it is a, one of the best college towns in the country. Uh, and there's a lot to love about being on the plains, but I want to shift the conversation now to, okay, now we know what big cat weekend is. What does Auburn have to do this weekend to make big cat a success means, uh, now, you and I, we've talked a lot about previous Big Cat weekends, and we've had some pretty high-profile commitments come out of Big Cat weekend in the past. Um, there's some uh, pretty high-profile guys, uh, mostly four-stars and some three-stars uh, toward the bottom of the list. But what does a successful Big Cat weekend look like for Brian Harson and his staff? Well, let's take what happened at Media Days, and let's kind of zoom out for that, okay? Mm. So right there, what was the big deal with Media Days? Auburn was shifting the narrative. There's this kind of cloud over Auburn. Other fan bases, other SEC rivals, just casual fans, people who are looking from the outside in, like, ooh, don't know what's going on with Auburn. And people, it's a competitive world out there, so other teams, other coaches kind of got a little kicky when you're down type situation. Auburn's falling, they're derailed. Just every negative, bad storyline, they're throwing it at Auburn. And you saw what Harson went in there. He said, you can throw it all you want. It's not going to stick. I mean, he came in with the confidence. He came in in the fly suit. His chest was puffed out. Kind of bring it on. And he had a little bit of mojo to him. He had some moxie about him. Okay. And I think people saw that right there. And you kind of noticed the the narrative for Auburn is shifting. And this, I'm going to get to this big cat in a second. This is important to kind of preface there. Is they're finally able to kind of grab this narrative by the reins and tug it in the direction they want it to go and say, all right, this is our story now. This is. We control our own destiny. We're not listening to what you say anymore. It's on us. So now and the, it's easy to do in the offseason because there's not a lot happening. So all the all the rumblings, all the chatter, I mean, that's dominating then. It's dead period. Like, well, how else can you really change that? You're not playing ball. So right here we know that this staff has got a plan. These guys didn't wake up and start coaching football yesterday. They know what's going on. They're making the big bucks. They got a killer staff ready. They're going to get out there and do the thing. So – What's it going to be about Big Cat Weekend? Continue that momentum you had at Media Days. Shift the narrative. Mm. Don't give folks anything negative to recruit about. Hey, you know, I remember George was on the phone and they're saying all this bad stuff about Auburn, but man, like what I'm kind of seeing is it's not exactly what I thought it was uh, looking like from them or Alabama or LSU or whoever else they're recruiting against for these certain guys. Hey, you know, that everyone said coach wasn't going to make the staff wasn't going to make it through the year, but man, look at what they're pulling right now. This, uh, 
They're changing the narrative. Like all that outside noise that the guys are recruiting against Auburn, uh uh-uh, none of that anymore. So Big Cat Weekend, you get these guys, you get a really, you've got a huge profile list. You got a ton of high profile guys in there. Get some of these commitments, get some of this traction going there, start building that class up. And then all that cloud, all that naysaying, all that negativity, what do they got to say now? Like, shoot, everything we're saying about Auburn, the opposite's happening. You take that momentum, you get some more recruits after that, and then obviously we go from there, run to the season. But I think it, it doesn't have to be with commits. I mean, you could look even look at 2024 guys. You've got to get momentum-changing, positive storylines coming out of just all things with Auburn to change that story. And I think there's just so many good things that can come from Big Cat on top of the momentum that's coming there. There's a big, There's been a snowballing of momentum coming, and they've got to just hit that with an explosion and pop. Every positive storyline you can get out of this weekend, get it, get that momentum, run with it, and bulldoze everybody who was saying anything bad about you. Well, you mentioned Media Days and what the message uh, was coming out of Media Days. So before we go forward, I want to play the, a clip of what um, his comments were about recruiting on Media Days. Uh, Coach Michael Giddens, War Report, Auburn. Uh, going into year two, recruits may have questions about the identity of Auburn football. Um, you guys have got some work to do on the field this upcoming season. What is the messaging to recruits and about why choose Auburn at this point? And how are you guys internally addressing some of the negative recruiting that might be happening this offseason? Well, I think the message is watch. But we got to go out there and we got to play. I mean, that's the beauty of, of what we get a chance to do every Saturday, all right? When you get into the arena, you have the opportunity to go out there and settle the score, all right? You have a chance to compete. We've told our recruits, watch. And I think the ones that have been on our campus, they see the energy and the vibe and what's happening and how the players are responding and coaches are connecting and everything that we're doing. I mean, there's a, there's a great energy in our program right now. There's alignment in our program right now. And I know those recruits and families, they feel that when they step on campus. Now we got to put a product on the field that, that, that players want to be a part of. Uh, first, before we move forward, I want to acknowledge the genius of the guy asking the question there. Just a fantastic <laughs> question. This guy, big brain on, on, on that guy right there. Uh, next, uh, you know, you, you talked about it. He said, um, watch, the message is watch, meaning that they clearly feel like they have to put a product on the field that recruits can envision themselves in. And also, we're talking about Big Cat, if they can get these guys on campus and show them what Auburn is all about, that will assist in the recruiting process as well. So step one, get them on campus. Step two, go out on the field on Saturdays and show them what they're going to, what it's going to look like. Um, now I felt pretty strongly when Brian Harson came to Auburn, uh, one of his best recruiting pitches was going to be, you know, here's what we're trying to do. And the missing piece is you. So if you were a receiver in the past and you were being recruited by Auburn, God, man, there's not a lot of incentive to come to Auburn as a receiver, right? Over the last like 10 years, I would, you know, I mean, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but we got Anthony Schwartz and Seth Williams, but the way Auburn has thrown the ball over the the last decade, I, you know, getting high profile receivers on, on campus and, and getting commitments from those, you know, like top 
50 guys was just really hard. If you're a quarterback, quarterback development at an all-time low yeah, uh, over the last 10 years. So if I'm a quarterback, why would I commit to this program? Well, last year, what did they do? They went out and they showed that Bo Nix could actually improve. So if you're a quarterback and you're looking at Auburn, you might say, ah, that guy might actually know what he's doing. Now, the end result toward the end of the year, I think, was more indicative of what he inherited than what his system will produce. But um, if you're a lineman or if you're a receiver or, you know, if you're a running back, they've got to put something on. It's critical that they put something on the field that is uh, reflective of what they're trying to do and what kind of potential recruits will have in this new system because a six and seven didn't inspire much, you know, positivity or hope, I think. And I thought the message from media days was good. Watch. Now I've been saying that expecting a bunch of early commitments for this coaching staff right now, based on how last year ended, was probably a fool's errand. Um, It was always going to be wait and see, especially for the more high profile guys who have choices. There's no reason to commit to Auburn early in the process right now, unless it's a money decision, unless we're throwing bags at people and NIL that'll help make, that might make the decision a little bit easier, but if it's about playing time and system, you know, it is wait and see. So um, I want to get this next phase of the conversation kicked off about what, what is this season? What is a good, what kind of start to the season do we need to have for, recruiting to close well uh, before the early signing period. Yeah, I think we need to go in and into that Georgia game and be undefeated. There's no, I think there's no reason why we shouldn't be at that point in the season. We're playing basically a five game home stretch against um, some lesser opponents like Mercer, but then we're also playing Penn state at home and we almost beat them in our own house last year. There's no reason that we should lose to them this year, in my opinion. And we're playing LSU at home and we beat them at LSU last year. And this is going to be Brian Kelly's first year as being head coach at LSU. And they don't necessarily have the talent that they've had in the past. So we should win all of those games going into Georgia and being undefeated. And I think that would really, get some of these recruits to buy into what Auburn is building. Young athletes need the tools for success on the field and on the court. And now more than ever, in the arena of business. In the new era of name, image, and likeness, Athletic Architects is here for young athletes and parents to help prepare for your financial futures. Let Athletic Architects start helping you build your house. Visit buildthehouse.com and let's build together Mm, well the undefeated is like best case scenario obviously like what what is what is the minimum they need to come out of that five game stretch going into georgia with can't go less than four and one i mean pretty pretty safe there like if you if you you really need to beat lsu if you trip up against penn state like oh that would really suck that's a there's no there's no good scenario now obviously if you lose to Missouri, then like, oh, it, it, yikes. If you somehow lost to that's this you, year, South Carolina, this right? Is, yeah, if you lost right. to Missouri, but you beat LSU and Penn State, you're just gonna have people scratching their heads at that point. I, I think the only one because you're still your SEC West hunts, all that stuff, like the SEC standings is unfazed by what happens with Penn State. So, not to say that if you're gonna have to go four and one, I mean, pretty much anything less than four and one is just. All right, we got we got we got big trouble happening. 
So the Penn State's really the only slip up you have. But if it's anything less than that, it's not looking pretty. And you just you never want to lose to LSU either. Well, okay, so we're all acknowledging here that you got to go four and one somehow. And to me, the only acceptable losses would be either or Penn State or LSU. Can't lose to Missouri, and you damn sure can't lose to Mercer or uh, with San Jose State. Um, <laughs> you can't lose to any of those schools. Uh, Missouri, a Missouri law signals that you've got systemic problems. I don't think that will be about talent. You lose to Missouri, the coaches blew it. <laughs> flat out. Flat out. They got something wrong. They put the wrong guys on the field. They called <laughs> the wrong plays. Like uh, You just cannot. That is the game that you cannot lose this year. Because you are a supremely more talented team than Missouri. I don't care what anybody says. We should always have more talent than Missouri. Hell, we had more talent in South Carolina last year. I, I think the issues were system were system related. Um, you know, they were undisciplined. You know, the the, uh, the the technically mupped punt because we just couldn't get away from the punt that blew the game. Brandy's rolling her eyes, like reliving, <laughs> reliving that tragedy. Oh, PTSD from the South Carolina game last year in Mississippi State. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it is. Now, 2020s listen, was rough. Oh, God. But Penn State, that's I think that's a game that gives you a lot of momentum. Now, Sean Clifford had the game of his life last year. 20 for 22, just kind of shredded us up. I mean, the, the unless a game of his life, the yardage numbers weren't eye-popping. He just made every throw he had to, that he was supposed to, was all there. And I think the only two incomplete passes he had were drops. So he played well, um, but he returns. He's taking his COVID year, and he's back for a sixth year. Uh, they lost the running back, Noah Kane. He went to LSU, so we'll still face him, but we'll face him in game five. Uh, and they lost the first-round receiver in Jahan Dotson. He's gone. And it's in your house. Now, I completely underestimated the whiteout environment going into that game last year. That What an incredible college football environment, uh, you know, the whiteout was in Happy Valley. But I, I, I think you got – to me, I think you got to get – I think you have to I get – I hope we do the same thing to them. Yeah, but I, 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 I've <laughs> been told – I've been told that there could be a blue out. Okay, yeah, I'm all for – like, we just need to do some type of – color gimmick in the stands <laughs> just to like get under their skin yeah I've, I've been told that we could do a blue out so yeah, but i'm all for that i'm with you i could stomach a loss to lsu as long as it's competitive because despite how their season ended you're talking about another school that's been recruiting top five classes for the last decade there's still talent down there even if they have some question marks at you know uh qb and in mm-hmm. some other other positions uh, but yeah, I think you got to get Penn State. Keep that positive momentum going. You beat Penn State, you win four straight. You're four and zero to start the season, and people are feeling good, right? Uh, and and going into LSU, you got LSU at home, and that's how Brandy's best case scenario five and zero happens, right? Is is that hopefully we understand at that point what the identity of this football team is, and they've started to gel. Um, yeah. So. Go ahead. I'm four and one. I think we're going to go ahead and land some of those recruits that we're already warm on. Five mm-hmm. and oh, we kind of get into that murky water of we might be able to flip some guys who are committed to other schools. Yeah, it's working, right? 
That's what it was. Now, I'll tell you, while we were at Media Days last week, we took uh, time out to interview Bruce Pearl in the middle of the week for Media Days. And I asked him about his support for other coaches, and he made he made a point about the record. He was like, Mike, last year, we were when Auburn was 6-2 and two, going into November, everybody was hot. Brian Harson was the higher of the century. Like, what a coup. And it all kind of fell apart after Bo got hurt. And, you know, there were some other unfortunate incidents that happened, uh, you know, over those last uh, five or six games. But, you know, he made a good point. Like, if they get off to the same kind of start this year, but just don't let it collapse. Like, you know, if they get off to a six and two start this year, you got to win two more to secure your job for the next year. Right. If you go six and two, the pressure's not off. The pressure is on because you have to close at least two of those games. And God damn it, the SEC West is the hardest division in college football to play in every year. So I'll be interested to see see how this goes. I mean, you know, line, I, I, I still think we have one of the best backfields in the country. So I'll be watching to see if Jarquez and um, uh, Tank get off to start the season and take some pressure off of whoever's going to be playing quarterback. But uh, let's talk goals in these first five games. So besides just winning, I think how you win matters because it's going to tell a lot about uh, whether we're, you know, playing with house money or whether it's fool's gold. Now, after we beat LSU last year, I got a lot of heat from fans for being too negative after a win. But I felt like, we're going to get killed by Georgia next week. There's absolutely zero to be positive about, you know, I get you guys are all happy about backyard bow or whatever, like those two plays that he had in that game that saved the game. But uh, there was not a whole lot in my eyes to be um, hopeful about headed into Georgia. So I want to start with you memes. These first five games, what do you have to see to be hopeful headed into Georgia? A game that I think we can all agree right now is probably an L on the schedule. Oh, I could I could talk about this a little bit. Okay, but I'm gonna try to. We got we got a we got a shot clock, so I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna stay within my bounds here. But I mean, this, right. we could have done a, we could have done a whole episode just on this. But for sure, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll tease it for another week. To me, going into Georgia, number one thing, quarterback and quarterback development. So, hey, we got a quarterback. Whoever the starting quarterback is, if it's somebody we've seen before play. Calzada, did he look better than he looked at AM? Bam. Mm-hmm. Quarterback development. TJ, if he looked better than last year, bam. Quarterback development. Robbie Ashford, dude, hadn't, we hadn't seen any game film of him play, but yeah, he looks good. Quarterback development. So you got to have the things on the field, but then the tools to recruit as well. So you got to kind of have a double edged sword here. You take the receivers. My gosh, I'm sick of drop balls. They better catch it. But we better have guys step up. Okay. Hands, please be catching the ball. And then just defensively, I want to see a just dominant, just dirty machine, just get in your face defensive line. I want to see those Tuberville era defensive lines back. I want to see depth. I want to see a mean. I want to see offensive lines just be crying when they have to go up against these guys. I want quarterbacks put on their butts. And then the scheme, too. So the defense, and we we saw the breakdowns last year. I think most notably Mississippi State. We'll talk about that too much. But we want to see... Are the guys playing man? Are they playing things they're comfortable in? Are they adjusting where they need to be adjusting? Does the scheme look like it's something the guys are comfortable in? And it's going to be adaptive to 
be ready to stack up against the different types of offense we're going to see in the SEC. And hopefully Schmetting and the guys can get that stuff going. If you see those things rolling, oh, one more thing. I want to see some transfers. We need to see some transfers to be getting in that game and to show that kind of going to quarterback development, transfer development. Hey, this is a place for guys, you come in the transfer portal, you're going to see the field, and you're going to make an impact. Now, not necessarily, not necessarily saying these guys got to start, okay, but we need to see some some of these guys get some uh, rotation time. If we can see all those things or most of those within those first five games, I'm going to be feeling pretty good about how things are looking across the board. Okay, so l- let's recap that. You want to okay. see quarterback development. Quarterback development. Right. You want to see wide receiver development, which I think goes hand-in-hand hand with quarterback development because a lot of the drops that you saw last year were about inconsistently throwing balls to the receivers. I will, yeah, die, it, I will die on this hill. Yeah, that, that's my thing there. It, it just receive, And I'm just – the bar's low here for receivers. Just get some catches. Like, then, even if the throws aren't perfect, but just get it in your hands, hit you in the number, just – Come down with the ball. Just get it. There's no drops. I mean, that, and that would be development, yes, but just no drops, and I'll be happy. So Yeah, okay. Continue. And then defense, uh, what I hear you saying is you want to see more of an attacking-style defense because we played maybe more zoned than a lot of people would have liked last season. Another question that I asked Harson about at media days. But, Brandy, what Winning is – the trenches. Win the trenches, absolutely. Brandy, what is, what is a hopeful – five and oh or four and one look like to you uh to make you to give you hope going into georgia where you might if somebody said who's going to win this game you would have the guts the balls the nerve to say auburn yeah um everything that meme said totally agree with there um but i'll add to this and my point in there would be impact players um i'm making an assumption here for who's going to be um under center but and I'm circling Zach Calzada, I'm circling Tank Bigsby, and I'm circling Coy Moore. And if all three of those players, especially um, Tank, since he was the one player that was on the team last year, show development like names had already mentioned, but then kind of are the spark in life that our offense needed last season that it mm-hmm. didn't have, um, that would be something that I would look at and say, okay, I, I've, I've hoped for this team and I'm willing to put my name or my money behind Auburn as a football team. So I think those three players to me in those specific positions, but then also we need to see a tremendous improvement on our offensive line because those three players won't be able to shine. If the guys that are blocking for whoever is QB one, if, if they haven't shown improvement. So to me, like the number one thing circled on the top of my whiteboard, if I'm Brian Harson, is offensive line has to show improvement. Um, and I think our defense is going to improve in general just because just I think naturally if our offense improves, our defense will improve because they won't have to be on the field as long as they were in certain games last season. And we just have a lot of talent on defense, and that's something that we haven't fallen off on in years. Um, but I do agree with memes like the style of our defense last year isn't necessarily like our brand as a defense, and we need to get back to those Tupperville days. And even on the line, like those Rodney Gardner days when he was a coach at Auburn too. So, um, but I think naturally our defense will improve and they'll improve if our offense improves too. Uh, I agree with that. Yeah, I think you said something that's important, offensive line. Now, particularly on the offensive line, I would just, I would highlight run blocking. We were the fourth best pass blocking uh, line in the league in terms of pressure allowed on the quarterback. Um, But the problem was because we could not run the ball 
teams would just load the box up against Tank and whoever was back there or tee off on the quarterback because we could not hit downfield passes, uh, mm. which takes me to mind. Um, I think showing that you can attack teams down the field is going to be super important in terms of taking pressure off of the run game because the the formula to beating Auburn last year was load up against the run, blitz the crap out of the quarterback, and make Bo Nix beat you. That, and, 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 and when he did it, it looked great. So what were those games? The first half of Ole Miss, uh, Arkansas, you know, in those games, when he was beating teams down the field, it looked easy. We looked like a playoff team. Honestly, we looked like we could have won the West. But uh, because we could not sustain that, and I'll highlight Georgia State and Texas A&M as examples of games where we could not sustain that, uh, it was difficult. Most of Mississippi State we did. It looked great. Um, and then Bo got hurt. But for me, it's, it's, it's downfield passing. Like, you know, take some pressure off and precision from the quarterback position. Memes highlighted the drops, but I'm telling you, I'm, our receivers did not play nearly as bad last year as people made it sound. They expended a lot of energy just trying to catch the ball. And God, let me tell you, I know he's gone, but <laughs> Bo, Bo sucked. <laughs> and he hurt us in a lot of ways. And I think that the ball gets there and, and a lot of people when they're watching, they see the ball get there and they blame the receiver. But when you go back and you watch on replay, the amount of body control you have to have as an athlete to stop all your momentum to come back and catch an underthrown ball. It is, it's hard. It's hard to do. Right. And now you're talking about the concentration that you have to have in conjunction with shifting your body weight from full speed to, turn around and do all these things it's it's difficult to do you you're making the catch exponentially harder for the receiver so what i want to see from whoever's starting and i'm with you brandy i think it's zach calzada at this point i think zach won the offseason uh and if he did if he's not winning it in practice he certainly won it in terms of perception uh but you see a lot of the drills that his quarterback coach po uh, posts on twitter where he's practicing these like timing things and throwing in, in, in rhythm and uh, catching guys on the run. If they can do more of that, Tank has Tank leads the SEC in rushing this year. I'll say I'll say that right. If teams cannot load eight and nine people in the box to stop Tank, Tank leads the SEC in rushing this year. So you know that's what it looks like to me. Memes. Uh, final thoughts um, on on Brandy and I's stance. Because you gave you gave the receivers some smoke. I'm not sure I appreciate it. So you gave them some smoke. Like closing thoughts here on on Auburn's first five games. They gotta gotta get some W's. Like I said, you go four and one. As long as the narrative looks good and there's improvement and there's reasons to believe in the hype, recruiting picks up. All the above. We're all set. I just don't don't love don't love the chances of going into Athens and getting the W. I don't know how many people do that. Mm. It's not impossible. Nothing's impossible. Probably not probable. I think we might have a gambler or two uh, on this podcast here who can you know speak to what those numbers look like when we get closer to that date. But generally speaking, we've just got to see and a broken record here. We just got to see Auburn change that narrative, right? Whatever. The negative headline, cloud, whatever you want to see it, is going on 
Let it be changed on the field. Be competitive in every game that you're do playing in. Look improved. And really, this is I even hate that I have to come out of this mouth, but like this, I hate this has to come out of my mouth. But this just Auburn on Auburn fan attacks and negativity, like that's got to stop too. And mm. hopefully some good on the field play can kind of get everybody to come back down to earth and just be like, hey, it's okay. Trust the team, trust the coaches, let's get together and we got this. Help get that culture that the coaches can recruit Auburn on. Get in the stands, be loud, be rowdy, have fun, and quit going after each other's throats and being a punchline for other schools. Like simple as that. Yeah, listen, uh, I'll close by saying um, one of the biggest recruiting tools Auburn has is the environment in Jordan Air. Uh, we talked to some of the guys that committed this summer, some of the portal guys. They were in attendance at a game that we lost, the Iron Bowl. And they all noted the atmosphere was incredible. I have to play here. Right. Keontae Scott said it in our interview with him. He just says, man, I, I know they didn't win, but all I could do was envision myself on the field next year playing in that environment, you know, whether it's in Brian Denny or in Jordan Hare and being the difference in a one score game. Uh, so. You're right. The fans do have a role to play in recruiting, uh, in creating one of the best environments in college football. You are listening to one of the best podcasts in college football right now. I want to thank Brandy, Mac, and my guy Auburn Memes for joining me. We'll be back with you guys next Wednesday with some more smoke after Big Cat concludes. Hopefully talking about a bunch of guys that committed. Anyway, guys, appreciate your time. Appreciate you guys for listening. As always, War Eagle. War Eagle.